Welcome to Know Your Balls Podcast, a podcast where you got to know your balls, you got to know your stuff when you're coming on here. And we've got a great episode on the docket today. Uh, I'm Avi Kargloff, as usual. I'm back. Had a nice week off, and now I get to chill with my guy, Robbie Williams. Robbie, it's good to see you, my man. Good you to guys see were you able too, to hold Robbie. it. You guys- you guys were able to hold it down pretty well in my absence, but uh, it's good to be back. I missed you. I, I saw there was a lack of a, a terrible joke at the end. Does, does that does that mean <laughs> that that's going to stay that way? Like maybe that... I don't know. We'll see when we get to the end of the episode today. Oh, if I can think wait. of a joke by the end of the episode, I'll give it to you. Oy vey. Uh so, in addition to, to the return of the Mac, we got Avi and Robbie as usual, but we have one of our top sports contributors at La Tanique, Colin Hammingson, joining us from bitter cold Brooklyn, New York, still in May. Uh, Colin, good to see you and good to have you on. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for having me on. Really looking forward to getting into the episode today. It's going to be a great time. Of course, and I, I can see, Colin, you're wearing your, your Brooklyn Nets uh, oh, yes. gear. Brooklyn Nets all the way. Uh, New York football team? Uh, no, actually. Growing up, I had friends that were really just sort of asses about both the Giants and the Jets. So <laughs> when Madden 11 came out, I kind of just gravitated to the Saints. And since then, you know, that's what I've been about. Really, a New Orleans Saints fan in Brooklyn, New York. How about that? Uh, hey, a little bit hey. of everything. <laughs> hey, but you've probably been a lot happier than uh, the typical New York football fan. So it's it's been nice over the past uh, couple years, but you know, some more heartbreak. You know, well, it, it must be interesting being in an upper class of NFL uh, franchise compared to the Jets and the Giants. Uh, speaking of the NFL, uh, we'll start off with obviously. Uh, the, the story that dominated the NFL draft, the Aaron Rodgers drama, and the subsequent Adam Schefter drama that came after it. Uh, we'll also look at the machine, a.k.a. Albert Pujols, one of the greatest players ever. Uh, the Angels moving on from him. Uh, another big piece of NFL news, the Jawan James injury. There's a lot of conversation around that. We'll get into that. And then, of course... The NBA playoffs are on the horizon. We're only a week or so away, and there's a lot of talk now about the seventh seed, the eighth seed, and the yeah, play-in tournaments. Maybe not even uh, being in the playoffs at all, the play-in tournament as a whole. LeBron James, he has thoughts on that. He has thoughts on everything. So we, we'll get to all of that first again. want to shout out and thank TellABQ. Uh, download the TellABQ app. You can listen to podcasts such as this one and uh, others from Latinique online and on the app. So let's get right into it. The Aaron Rodgers drama, uh, as everyone who follows the NFL and really sports in general knows Aaron Rodgers uh, and NFL MVP last year. He's a big deal when he speaks, the world listens and uh, reporting from Adam Schefter said that uh, Aaron Rodgers does not want to return to the Packers he has told someone from the organization he never wants to return to the team. There was a reportedly uh, leaked trade offer from the 49ers where they checked in with Green Bay about his potential availability. Uh, there's a whole big back and forth. Uh, even Brett Favre, his predecessor, the Hall of Fame Packers quarterback, he he chimed in on it. So, uh, Colin, you, you got something coming out uh, soon about this whole situation. Uh you know, what, what is like the meat of the story for you? Like, what is it specifically about this? That's like, Oh, I got to pay attention to that. So as I've been doing my research, it's been really interesting to see and to try and figure out where all of these leaks are coming from. And, you know, you have stuff like the original stuff where it's like, Oh, Aaron wants out. And then you have stuff, you know, Jay Glazer tweeted out, Hey, you know, the Jeopardy execs, like, yeah, they, they like what Aaron's got. And then, you know, you have leaks saying, oh, you know, he's calling, he, he's, he's calling his GM Jerry Krause. And in my opinion, you know, it, it's kind of easy to look at that specific one and be like, oh, Aaron definitely didn't leak that because 
in his history of being in the NFL, he's always been extremely careful about what he wants to put out. Um, so it's really fun to sort of look at the different perceptions of each leak and to figure out, okay, well, who's really trying to put stuff out and who wants to push this sort of narrative, whether it's the Packers GM to try and put pressure on Aaron to get him to come back or to drive up his trade price. It, it's just really interesting because, you know, when Schefter reported that on the draft or the day of the draft, you're like, oh my God, this is, this, you know, maybe maybe this is the Packers and maybe they're just trying to, you know, get a, a quick pick to try and take one of these quarterbacks. And then as the information comes out more, and I think it was maybe Tuesday that Schefter was on, I think it was the Rich Eisen show, right? Where he said that... I think it was Dan, Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick. I, all those old ESPN, and you know, guys, <laughs> yeah, they, they all just get mixed up. Anyway, I think it's so interesting that he was like, no, this was not breaking news. I just decided to put this forward the day of the draft. I think that's a little bit of BS because that that doesn't just fall into your lap, right? And there was this guy, uh, Paul Allen, who had reported that he, he was the first one to report on uh, the 49ers poking around for Aaron Rodgers. And I just, mm, I just think it's so, so interesting that like, oh, of course this is all breaking the day of the draft. It's It's got to be because, you know, the Packers wanted to drive up his price and potentially get a new quarterback. I always find that whenever we see a sports story, that the reporting of that story is like not quite like almost on par with the story itself. That, uh, that, that kind of blows me away. Robbie, I don't know if you thought the same thing, but it was also like as, as, as mind like altering and league altering as this news was, it was like, Hmm. It's interesting that it's coming out now. Well, yeah, it's funny to see it develop too, because I know I wasn't the only one watching the draft that night and, you know, right, you know, probably 10 minutes before everything gets started, you know, they bring on Schefter, Shifty Sheft, and he, he drops this bombshell, um, you know, like it's breaking news or whatever. And I, I, you know, I thought there was something up with it too. Um, a lot of people were thinking, you know, like you said, the, the Green Bay was doing it or, somebody else trying to make things happen on draft night. Um, but really, you know, it seems like, you know, Schefter just has a good understanding of marketing um, and, and just knows like, hey, everyone's already tuning in. They'll stay tuned in more often if, you know, they think something might happen with Aaron Rodgers tonight. Yeah, I mean, ESPN can't be disappointed with what he's done. I mean, if no, he, he, he was he's doing his job and like, there's always the, I, I've had this debate before is like, is Adam Schefter a journalist? Like, I don't like, I don't know. Like he's, he's got a guy with a Twitter account and he, and he has a lot of sources, but like, this is always a, a debate. And when it comes to like, maybe the biggest NFL story of the off season, possibly, I mean, Robbie, like <laughs> I saw, I saw countless memes on twitter about how all nfc north fans are jumping for joy because like you know there's hope now yeah no there's hope you don't have to play them twice a year you know the amount of heartbreaking losses to aaron Rodgers over the course of his career has has left me a damaged person i think <laughs> i think it's also really incredible to look at the quarterback class of the nfc north and sort of over the past couple years, how it's absolutely just fallen off a cliff. And, you know, <laughs> you, you go from Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford and, you know, I, Jay Cutler was fine. Yeah, I, I don't want to put too much on Jay Cutler. You know, he's, he's all right. Um, and, and now it's going to be Andy Dalton, whatever happens with the Packers, Kirk Cousins, and Jared Goff. Like, come on now. What a what a drop off. And Oof. another thing that was really interesting was apparently uh, the Atlantic reported that 
the Packers tried to make Rodgers the richest quarterback in the NFL, which per and that was per year. And that's part of uh, Rodgers' gripes, apparently, is that after, you know, the season, the guaranteed money going forward makes it a lot easier for Rodgers to move. So he feels that, oh, you know, you guys traded up to draft Jordan Love, didn't even consult me about it, you know, going into next season or the, the season after next season, you know, I don't have a ton of stability and, you know, faith in this organization. So, you know, what's up guys. I, I, you know, I think it's really interesting that the Packers like, like why, 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 why would you even, why would you even draft Jordan love in the first place? I know this is a story from (laughs) a year ago, but if you, if you look back at that draft, they went, they traded up for Jordan Love, and then they drafted a running back in the second round when they already had Jamal um, Jamal Williams Aaron, and Aaron Jones and, and Aaron Jones. It, and I I don't know I don't know for me that's just that was a huge slap in the face to Aaron and you know Aaron's kind of always been known as the petty superstar, but I get it Aaron I get it. <laughs> So that what what you're saying is something that I find interesting, and I wish we had a Packers fan on to, to talk about this. Mm-hmm. But the consensus I've seen from the Packers fan base is they're not upset necessarily at Aaron Rodgers more than they are at Packers management. Like the it's like they they didn't really give him a choice. They like you said they trade up to draft a quarterback with what I think it was three years at the time left on Rodgers' contract. They had just gone to the NFC Championship game. They went 13-3 and in the regular season. They had wide receivers to draft. Um, I think it was D- – I don't remember if that was the DK Metcalf draft. Uh, I remember he was like a late second-round pick the year he was drafted. But yeah. what? It was the year before that. Oh, the year before. Okay, so forget that. But there were there were wide receivers that like yeah. – Like the Packers yeah, were infamously absolutely. known for not, not taking a wide receiver. I think they took one – this year in like the third or fourth round talk about too little too late (laughs) but but like Packers fans seem to 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 I guess understand and justify Aaron Rodgers actions it all started with Jordan Love I think there was some random receiver who I have never heard of that he had complimented publicly and then they cut him the next day Jake Kumaroe yeah, Jake Kumaro. Yeah, it's and and there's the and then there's the whole Jeopardy uh, complication to it as well. Like that's that's one of those like wrinkles that is is unique to the situation. It's not like in typical standoffs between an athlete and a player, you have the Jeopardy potential in, in the <laughs> background. So I mean, I, I I was I've never been impressed with Green Bay's recent uh, decision making. They've, they've had some good draft picks. They they build their organization through the draft, but uh, I mean, from from penny pinching in free agency to the drafting the wrong position seemingly in the first couple of rounds, uh, it it's just it's been boiling for a while. It seems and and like like Adam Schefter said, it's not like this all of a sudden happened. It was an accumulation of information. Yeah, like I you know, I think where they really messed up was not like blindsiding Aaron Rodgers with the the Jordan Love pick. Like the fact that he didn't know at all that they were going to do that trade up. And, you know, that I think that's, I think if you have a conversation with a guy and you're like, look, you know, you're getting older. We don't play the free agency game. We got to bring someone in here um, because you could get injured or, you know, move on or whatever and retire so I get why they drafted a quarterback. I mean, they did the same thing with Favre and Rodgers. You know, so there's a history of this. But um, I think they really screwed the pooch when they basically did it, like, behind his back and also, like, right in front of his face on draft night, you know, where he's just sitting there like, what? I got do, this. Do you really think, Robbie, that that would have made – a tangible difference like if they told him beforehand that they were planning on drafting a quarterback in the first round because i'm not sure that that would make much of a difference right like we're like hey we're drafting a quarterback in the first round oh thanks for telling me like that's better than what they did but like still they're drafting his replacement and trading up to get him in the first round 
I think, you know, he's been that guy, you know, is what I'm saying. It's like, he's the guy who's taken, you know, been the beneficiary of their system of, all right, we're going to draft, let this guy sit a little bit and then bring him in. Um, and, you know, as an older quarterback, you know, you got to have some understanding for the fact that like, look, you know, you're not going to play into, you know, for the next 80 years. So, you know, everybody's got to do what they got to do. I think, you have to draft a quarterback eventually, maybe not last year, you know, maybe that wasn't the best time, but eventually you're going to have to do this. And when you do it, you got to have a conversation with the guy. If you want to keep him around as long as possible and be like, look, you're our dude, you know, but things happen, you know, so you got to have somebody to back you up. And I don't know, it's definitely better than not talking to him and, and doing it. And, uh, you know, I don't think they should have drafted a quarterback and then a running back last year. I think that was just a bad move. But I think if you're going to draft a quarterback, you got to at least talk to him. And now that you haven't talked to him, well, now he's like, you know, obviously at any moment I could just be, you know, tossed to the wind because I'm I'm getting older. So that doesn't feel very good. So I think communication would have been key in this situation. Do do y'all think he's actually going to get traded? Yeah, I, I, I think it's either that or he's like, he's gone. Like he'll retire. Like he, that, that seems like a, a viable option for him. He has potential, a lot of potential uh, for in, in a retirement life. So I was, I think, uh, I'm sorry. Go what were you going to say? Okay. Go ahead. No, I'm going to uh, say something stupid. So, so I was in doing my research, you know, you, you, you look at these, you go to the Packers beat writers and a lot of the Packers beat writers are like, nah, it feels like he's gone. And in my opinion, it's like, okay, well, where are you going to go? Right. Where is a quarterback needy team that has the talent around to compete? And, and you're, you're going to have to compete this year because if you're, Trading for Aaron Rodgers, you're giving up at least two first-round picks, minimum. So that's going to be talent that's not coming into your team. So then, you know, you look, you're like, okay, let's let's see his his apparent list of teams that he wants to go to. Oakland, they just reshuffled their line. Vegas, their defense Las is Vegas, oh, Oakland. Not Oakland. Oh my goodness, <laughs> not old Oakland. habits die hard. Um, yeah. You know, they just they just completely trashed and are resetting their line. Their defense is abysmal. You know, head coach questionable at best. Denver, okay, yeah, there, there's some stuff going on there, but do, do, do you want to play in Denver when, you know, you have... You've gone 13-3 and the past two seasons. You've been to the NFC Championship the last two seasons. Like, what do you, what do you really want here? What's going on? Uh, you know... As a Saints fan, I would love to see him go to New Orleans. And Brett Favre, oh, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of joked with him. Like, oh, I'll see you with the Saints. And, you know, I perked my ears up at that. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a nice idea. But, unfortunately, we don't have the uh, we don't have the resources to get him. I don't think many teams do. Uh, Exa- so. Exactly. So, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Crazy stuff going on, Adam Schefter, uh, the whole thing. So, obviously, uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. I wouldn't say this is if this was a thirty for thirty. I don't think it'd be quite as good as one on Deshaun Watson in his situation. But I think this would be this will be very intriguing to look at uh, when we, you know, in five years or ten years or or however long it is, however long the turnaround is for for thirty for thirties. So. Uh, looking forward, Colin, to seeing your piece when this comes out. Um, Major League Baseball, probably the biggest news, uh, aside from all these no-hitters going on in Major League Baseball, Albert Pujols, uh, someone who people know that name, even if they're not necessarily a baseball fan, a.k.a. the machine, one of the greatest baseball players ever. He was designated for assignment by the Los Angeles Angels, uh, meaning they have seven days to basically get rid of him uh they can waive him release him trade him uh or put him into the minors but like albert Pujols isn't going to the minors like i don't care what he's hitting uh he was hitting 198 he had five home runs uh 
He's in the final year of a 10 or 11 year contract. I forget what number that is, but it was like 240 million. Uh, it, he he was like the epitome of like the Angels making good moves on paper that don't <laughs> pan out. Uh, they have probably the best player, one of the greatest players ever already, in Mike Trout, and I think he's been in the playoffs once, maybe twice. I don't even I don't think they've won a I don't series. Think he's made anything. it. I, I'm pretty sure he made it like one year to I think a wild card game maybe. Uh, but regardless, his post postseason experience is very limited as it is. Albert Pujols is like the face of that, um, I guess, disappointment for the Angels. And to see them just get rid of this guy, I mean, he, I, he's in the last year of his deal, so I don't, you know, it's not really going to hinder them too much financially. But uh, he's been there ever since Mike Trout was there. Mike Trout learning from a, a future Hall of Famer. I'm interested to hear what you guys make of this. And, you know, in terms of raw production, yeah, I can see why you might want to drop him off. But is there any kind of, like, caveat for a future Hall of Famer like, like Pujols? Man, you know, uh, my grandfather is from the Midwest, and he is a massive St. Louis Cardinals fan. So growing up, I was always aware of Albert Pujols. And, you know, I remember, I think it was, like, 2011 when he when he left the cardinals to sign with the angels and i remember him being like oh it's too much they gave him too much and i was thinking about that when you know when researching to come on and you know you go and you look on his baseball reference page and i you know i don't want to say it's abysmal but it's not good at all you know, you look at the money that he was making and during his time in Anaheim or Los Angeles or whatever they're going by now, he only made the all-star team once. He never hit over 300 and like OPS just keeps going down, 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 down. And I think there is certain value to having him mentoring Mike Trout and, you know, being there for the rise of Otani. But... Man, that's $200 million that you kind of just flush down the toilet. You know, you, uh, uh, you know, the most expensive mentor in the history of baseball, possibly. It, yeah. What, what do you, what do you think? The most expensive mentor. Well, you know, I makes sense what you're saying. You know, you need the production out of them, but also as somebody who's, uh, you know, like I'm a huge Tigers fan and we still got oh. Miguel Cabrera and Miguel Cabrera isn't what Miguel Cabrera used to be. Um, he had a streak here of, you know, either no hits or single game or single hit games um, for a while. And then the past two games, they actually just won last night and it was his second, you know, two hit game in a row. He had some RBIs and they were talking about it, how he, you know, he's looking a little bit better. And I was just thinking, man, they're actually talking about Miguel Cabrera looking better. He always looked the best, you know, like it's sad to see him declining, but every time he gets a hit, I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know exactly what we're paying Miguel Cabrera, but you know, I get the, the sentimentality of a great player. I mean, like you brought Miguel Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols were like as good as it gets, like 2000s, even early 2010s. Like they, like these guys are like, players that when you're telling your your kids about like oh i got to see this guy play like i got to go to a game this guy play i don't think we should we should shortchange these these dudes who are gonna end up in the in in uh, cooperstown uh but yeah i i think uh it's interesting now to see what happens with pools if if another team wants to pick him up obviously they, they won't have that massive load of a contract on their back but i think it'd be cool for him to go back to the cardinals that's like that those were the you know the years in the franchise that that really exploded and and i i mean i i didn't grow up a big baseball fan i became a, a bigger baseball fan later um it was actually when i moved to new york because you have to be a baseball fan when you live in new york uh but i the the st louis cardinals brand uh, it was was really helped a lot in recent years by by pujols I, I think it'd be really cool to see him go back to the Redbirds to, to end his career. I can't be the yeah. only one with that thought. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. it's it's definitely sort of the the sort of thing they do in the NFL when you know they bring the player back for the one day contract and then they have him retire. I, I think it's 
you know, it's definitely some nice sentimentality, but you know, I don't know the the bird, the Redbirds have always been a very very smart team. So you know, we'll we'll see if they bring them in. You know, increase some jersey sales for a little bit. But keep the price down. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> They'll, they'll, they'll get a chance to renegotiate. But yeah, I, I think like a one day or so contract that the NFL's symbolic signings. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely see what you mean. The, hey, the Cavs had a symbolic signing recently with Anderson Verjo. So, uh, well, <laughs> there's ever everywhere. Everyone has that. Uh, well, Andy we, we, can maybe, we can maybe touch that in a bit. But first, uh, again, want to thank TeleBQ. Make sure to check out TeleABQ. Or download the Tell ABQ app where you can listen to this podcast on Tell ABQ Podcast uh, and, and all the other Latinic stuff on there. Uh, we uh, Shout out to all the great people in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, moving on to another NFL story, Jawan James. Uh, this is something that uh, has really picked up steam as of late. Obviously, it's overshadowed by uh, Mr. Rogers in Green Bay, but... Still an important story and and something that I think will be discussed a lot um, in terms of the relationship between the NFL Players Association and the league itself. Uh, just for some background for those who don't know, Jawan James, uh, he was a tackle. I think he uh, I think he played at uh, Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or uh, yeah, I think it was that's Tennessee. correct. It was, yeah. an, it was an SEC school. It was a big deal. So he was a first round pick. Back in 2014, uh, I believe he was drafted by the Dolphins. Uh, he was signed uh, back uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I believe in, in 2019, a four-year, $51 million contract uh, with Denver. Uh, the you know the offensive tackle game is, is is a big one. They make a lot of money. It's a valuable position. Four years, $51 million, You know, <laughs> at the time, maybe didn't seem like a lot, but then. He suffered a knee injury, and then he opted out of 2020. And uh, recently, it, just it, short, shortened the story. He's been a disappointment, right? He's, he hasn't he hasn't lived up to that contract. Now, this is something that the players' association and and players around the league, Patrick Mahomes, I believe, has even uh, tuned in and and given his voice to this. He suffered a potentially season-ending Achilles tendon tear during an off-site workout, so not uh, with the team, not the team facilities. And uh, the Broncos uh, now are the NFL is clarifying a rule saying that they don't have to pay certain guarantees in his contract if he gets injured off-site. Uh, and and this really outraged a lot of players because he's he's he was actively rehabbing and and practicing and working out and getting his body in shape for his job uh but they seem to be punishing him uh, for for doing that i do understand it from the owner's perspective they do need to have some kind of uh, i guess safeguard on it but uh to lose like all, like all if not his whole contract over this uh th this had really spurned the discussion so uh, i'll open up to the floor what you guys think about this I think it's a hell of a technicality to get burned on, um, for sure. Yeah. Like you're just trying to do your best, like you said, and you just happen to be off-site, which that's the only part of the story that kind of confuses me. Is well, if it's in your contract that you know if you get injured on-site, you're fine. If you get injured off-site, you know if you knew that, why would you ever, uh, you know, take the chance and work out off-site? It was kind of that was my confusion with this story. Yeah, it's it it's definitely one of those things where it's like ah, classic NFL, you know, just yeah. penny pinching and always looking for the tricky little words in the contract. And it's it's so funny because well, I I don't know, funny is the right word, but you know, there's just this inherent expectation of, you know, you're going to show up, you're going to be in shape, you're going to be able to, you're going to be ready to play, but you're not like the NFL is not responsible for that time in which you are supposed to be ramping up to play in the NFL. It, it just like, it, it's, it just gives me shades similar to the NCAA and their sort of policy of not playing, paying players and sort of getting around all these little 
tight corners and being like, oh, nope, you know, he was off site. You know, hey, hey, not our problem. He, not our facility, not our problem. I, I don't know. It to me, it's, it's, it's damn messed up. I hear you, but also think of it in terms of like any other job, right? If you work in a tool and die shop and you don't hurt yourself at work and then you go home and you start working on your car and you do something and, you know, chop your hand off. Is your job responsible because you were doing a similar type of work, not with them, you know, on your own in your own time, something they didn't even tell you to go do? The you only, my, my only rebuttal to that is that, you know, he was, he was, he's working on his body. So, you know, that's, that's work for the Denver Broncos. So, you know, I, I understand technicalities and all. I just still think morally it's like, oh, this is nasty. I think both. Sorry, go ahead, Robbie. Well, it's it's. I agree with you. Like it's 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 terrible for him. Like it sounds terrible, but like from a legal perspective, you know. I mean, we're talking about his contract here and 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 money. And I mean, you know, this isn't baseball. We got a cap space to deal with, and you know, that's a lot of money to pay somebody who has literally done nothing for your franchise the entire time you've been on this contract, and. You know, I don't know. It's tough because if you're looking at it from the player's perspective, like I get why if you're a player, you want to change this because you want to work out as much as possible and get your body in the best shape as possible um, and be able to be protected while you do that. But also from the perspective of the owners, it's like, you know, this guy could have had this injury two games into the season. You know, it's kind of like a liability that they they knew was there, but he's under contract and. You know, it's complicated. Definitely complicated. I think I think there are two sides, and you guys are both making some good points. I think this conversation, in the midst of the greater context of players right now, pushing back on showing up to voluntary workouts at team facilities. Um, the president of the NFL Players Association, J.C. Treader, who's the starting center for the, for my Cleveland Browns, uh, he has has made a lot of claims that the off season that they had last year with in the midst of the pandemic uh they were still able to 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 get new systems implemented they were still able to uh play a full year uh their their claim and then the nfl players association claim is that the nfl more so than any other professional league baseball football hockey whatever you want to call it they have the most amount of required time at team facilities uh during the off season and you know with otas and mini camp training all that um you know because the claim is oh you need to practice in the off season but they proved last year that they didn't and so i think part of the the claim part of the problem here is juan james he was working on a work-related incident if he got hurt you know, riding a, a motorcycle or something, or if he tried something, you know, that, that like bungee jumping or whatever, I don't know, something, something dangerous, something, whatever, like that's a different story, but he was actively doing something for his job. He wasn't doing it there. So yeah, I, it's I not a, this, it's yeah, not Kellen it's, Winslow situation, right? It's not, it's not one of those. Gosh, Kellen Winslow. That was a deep cut. That, that hurt me real good. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> but uh yeah, he's in prison now for something completely different. Uh oh. but oh yeah, my god. Complete completely different. Completely different than a motorcycle crash incident. But uh I yeah, I, I definitely think there needs to be some kind of balance. I think that you I don't I think it's hard to fault a guy for, for working out, like to to work out because that's you need to do that to be in the National Football League. Uh, but so, and I, I do see the, the, the owner liability part. So what you're saying is like he he was working off site because he couldn't be working on site. No. So, again, it's like part of the greater context of NFL players not wanting to have to go into the team facilities because they, like they feel like it's unnecessary and it's like oversight that shouldn't. That shouldn't be required, and that 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 isn't necessary. And they uh, feel like they they feel like they proved that last year. 
And so I don't know if you've been seeing this, but like all these NFL teams collectively are have been opting out of voluntary workouts. I think the Lions were one of those because teams. last year they did so much offsite on their own because of the pandemic. I get what you're saying. Yeah, but also from an owner's perspective, you know, it's kind of like monitoring your investments. Like I want to have my trainers, my doctors, you know, looking you over and giving me the feedback on what your physical condition is while you're working out at the team facility because I'm going to pay you $51 million, you know, <laughs> to do this job and I want to make sure you're going to play. So I, I don't, it seems like a very ticky tacky thing to get upset about and just be like, I don't want to work at, you know, like it'd be like if we had an office and we all lived in the same city, you know, and we all go to work and then I was just like, nah, I don't want to see you guys. I want to, I want to stay home, you know, even though we have an office, like, just seems I, weird to me. I I hear you. I just think that with the NFL, specifically with the owners and with the players, there's sort of this mistrust. You know, you have situations with, you know, players like Trent Williams where, you know, he had uh, a mass, he had a malignant mass that was not diagnosed for, I think it was like seven years or something. And he repeatedly yeah. asked them to check it. And then he got a second opinion. It was like, hey, yeah, this is bad. And, you know, you have situations like with, you know, Tom Coughlin in the Jacksonville Jaguars where, you know, they find yep. um, uh, Dante. I think it was Dante Fowler Jr. Like, I think it was like close to a million dollars for simply not showing up to volunteer or voluntary workouts. And, you know, so I think there's definitely a, just a misunderstanding and a, and a disconnect between the higher ups who are like, we're going to do it our way. Da, 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 and, you know, it's not that they're not caring about their bodies, but they're looking at, you know, bottom line stuff more so than I, I don't want to make the accusation that they're, you know, putting profits over health, but there's just a history in the NFL. And I, I understand the sort of mistrust of, you know, Hey, you know, in the past, you know, maybe not the Broncos, but, other teams have definitely screwed over players just for that extra buck. I think, I think uh, if you guys listen quietly enough, I think you guys might hear our guy AJ's phone ringing. I think Jerry Jones might be calling him to say how he can get that guy <laughs> Robbie Williams in his office. <laughs> I think, I think I can hear it. If you guys listen quietly enough, you can hear Jerry Jones <laughs> calling our guy AJ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm very interested to see how this plays out, and, and we'll, we will definitely see uh, how that progresses. Uh, one final, uh, I guess, umbrella of topics. We got the NBA playoffs upon us. Uh, the, the, the Obviously, the, the most popular team in the NBA, probably, it, possibly, and global brand. Depends on the age range. Uh, I don't know about that when you have LeBron James. Uh, LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers uh, – have fallen to the as of right now the seventh seed in the Western Conference, and uh, it is it is a uh, very interesting to to hear uh, LeBron James talk about how the play in tournament not a good idea. He said, "quote Whoever came up with that shit needs to be fired." Uh, I, I I find it so interesting, just a coincidence that. Whenever a team falls into that seven range, that's when the play-in tournament stinks. That's when it sucks. It just so happened. Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic yep. and the Mavericks, they were complaining about it when they just so happened to, to sink a little lower. Uh, so again, just to give some context to those who don't know, usually it's one through eight in each conference that makes the playoffs. This year, instead of an 82-game season, it's 72. So they have a play-in tournament. The one through six seeds still get their playoff spots. The seven through ten seeds in each conference enter a play-in tournament. Seven, the seventh seed will play the eighth seed. Whoever wins that game gets the seventh seed, and the nine and ten seeds play each other. Whoever loses that game is out. So the loser of the eight nine, uh, sorry, the loser of the seven eight plays the winner of the nine ten, and then the winner gets the eighth seed. And it's a winner go home. Uh, so nobody really. Or at least for for some teams, nobody wants to be in that play in tournament. You play seventy two games, and it could be all down to one game. 
So I, I'm interested to, to see what, what you guys say about this, you know, the, the prospect of the defending champs, the Lakers, losing a couple games in the, play, in the playing term, and they're gone. They're, they're, they're out of the playoff equation. And also, uh, just the thoughts on the play-in tournament as a whole, if you think it, it's working, if you think it's a, it's a good thing for, for this year, maybe one of you thinks it should be the permanent solution. I'm, I'm curious to hear. I, I don't know what, what either of you are going to say. Well, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of, if you're the seventh seed, you know, to be complaining about being in the play-in tournament, it's like, all right, you got to win one more game to get to the playoffs, you know, and if you, if you belong in the playoffs at all, you should be able to, to, you know, step up and win that game. Um, and then if you're, you know, in the 10th seed, ninth seed, you got to win two games to get into the eighth seed and you're probably not going to go anywhere, but at least it kind of makes things, you know, a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, every once in a while, one of those teams will go on a run. So I really like the play in tournament. I think, you know, it would be ridiculous if it was like a full on, like seven game series to play in, you know, but the fact that it's just like one and done, move on. Um, I think it adds a little, a little spice to the end of the season. Yeah. So, you know, you you look at NBA teams as a whole now, and you know, and the situation of tanking, and tanking is sort of down this season. You know, obviously you have your Houston Rockets and you know your Cavaliers. No offense. <laughs> none taken and you know none and taken. your detroit pistons but i feel like tanking overall is, is 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 really down um and the sort of product of late regular season nba in the past has been it's been really sleepy but it's now it's like oh my god like we could have lebron james and steph curry in a in the same play-in and and then you know you, you throw Zion in there and John Morant. It's like, hell yeah, I want that. And, you know, if you're LeBron James, it's 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 so, so funny that, it, I, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's like, of course, now that, you know, now that you have the possibility of playing, you know, some extra games or an extra game, like now, of course, you're complaining. Of course, because he can't just coast. You know, in seasons past, after January, LeBron just like, you know, he, ta- he takes his foot off the gas pedal, gets gets himself ready for the playoffs. But now he can't do that. Now he has to, you know, go balls to the wall to make sure, like, oh, you know, Steph Curry could kill us. Like, last night he had 49 points, and he is actually carrying the Warriors. I think it's... I think it's a little it, to me, you know, I, you know, LeBron, very respected, top three player in NBA history, but and shortchanged a little bit. Uh, a, a. I mean, I, I think that when you're not having the mindset of like we're the, we're the damn Lakers, like we're just gonna go out and whoever the hell we play, we're gonna smoke them. When you're complaining and you're letting it get into your head, it's like. Like, what are you doing? You're LeBron James. Just step up, bro. I do think it is worth pointing out that they and the Miami Heat had the shortest offseason ever. Like, they were playing finals games in September, October. I don't remember which It was something ridiculous. And then they started in December before Christmas. So... I, I kind of figured going into the season uh, for Miami, they had a very slow start to their season. A lot of that was COVID issues, but they 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 had, had a very slow start to the year. Lakers seemed fine, but now that the injury bug was catching up to them, I kind of expected this from from the Lakers, and I'm I'm kind of surprised how. It took until late in the season for them to really start to like, I guess, break down. Um, but that, that's I feel like it's too extreme of a word. I'm only using that because I can't think of anything else. But uh, they, LeBron James, has 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 not really had a long off season um, like he's used to. Uh, or sorry, not not necessarily a long off season, but because he's usually playing in the finals. But 
like this is a historically short break. This is a like he he had a really really long break his first year with the Lakers when they missed the playoffs. But he he is like a creature of habit. He's like I'm getting my body ready for this. He knows, you know, he's what 36 now. Like he can't, he, like he he's great, but it takes a lot of work to to get to to that greatness. Uh, I I do think the Lakers will still be fine though if if they get into the play in. I mean they. Yeah, I, I don't think you can go in with the, oh, we're just going to smoke them. But I do think in, in a game or two, I want Anthony Davis and LeBron James on my team. And, you know, like, damn, if you're the Utah Jazz or the Phoenix Suns, like, oh, mm-hmm. that sucks. You know, you, you better hope Phoenix for Memphis. Suns, oh, yeah, <laughs> cross your fingers. You better you hope know, for you, the Spurs. <laughs> you, you know, if you're Phoenix, you're like, Man, we just got to the playoffs for the first time since 2010, and who are we facing in the first round? LeBron, damn James, come on, man. Yeah, I think I think like any team who draws the Lakers in the first round will be like, like, <laughs> come on, man, and that and that's one of those things that like I think is making the, the league great, especially in the West. I think in the East, it's like. You have Philly, you have Brooklyn, you have Milwaukee, and I don't think anyone's picking any any other team to get out of the East. Like the Knicks have been a feel good story this year, but I know I don't think anyone expects them to go to the finals. Uh, there's been some nice runs for certain teams, but it's really just those three teams in the East that people are considering going to the finals. In the West, in the West, it is just wide open. It feels like it feels like so many teams have a shot. Utah and Phoenix, especially. The Clippers have been really good this year, although until they actually get to the Western Conference Finals, no one will actually think they're going to do it. Denver, everyone expected to be a drop-off when Jamal Murray went down. Instead, Nicole Jokic is solidifying his MVP. And, of course, Portland and Dallas are around. They could make some noise. But the Lakers and if Steph Curry and the Warriors get in. Like, there's just so much happening in the West. And I this is why I feel like the play-in tournament has done its job because teams like the Bulls, they they would be out like the Pacers, the Wizards, Memphis, San Antonio, New Orleans, like all these teams would, would stop trying to win games at this point, but they are. And there's so many combinations of like great things for us as fans. So I think it, this has been a complete success. I don't, I, you know, once they go back to 82, they 82 games, they should, they should uh, go back. Uh, Zachary Smith, one of our uh, Zach Smith, one of our guys at uh, Latinique, who wrote an article about uh, similarly about this. But I, I personally think it has worked uh, pretty well this year. Oh yeah, I think the the Wizards are a great case of why it's worked because they had a very yeah. rough start to the season, um, you know, and since they got uh, Bradley Beal back, um, they have just been going off. I mean, he had 50 points last night against the, the Pacers. Jeez. So they're, they're battling it out 9-10. and 10. Um, And they're yeah. going to probably be playing in the play-in tournament. And, you know, that's just a that's just great drama. You know, multiple games at the end of the season to see who's 9, who's 10. And then you get to the play-in game, and you got to go at each other again. And, you know, I think the Wizards definitely deserve this chance to get into the playoff because they just had a rough start. And since they've gotten their team together, they've proven that, you know, they're everybody as good as everyone else. So, you know, I, I, I love it. You know? Yeah. I, I'm just going to definitely agree with both of you. Um, and I think there's so much value and, in, in having these young players battling and being like, we need to win these games and having, you know, this sort of non tank mindset where, you know, night in night out, you need to bust your ass now. You need to bust your ass or else you are not getting in the playing game. And, you know, you look at <clears throat> high draft picks who have failed on their teams, like, you know, list any Orlando Magic high draft pick from the past, you know, five years. Same thing Sac- with the Sacramento. Chicago Bulls. Sacramento. And, you know, yes, there's a player development thing, but... There's also this, you know, there's a lack of important games that they're playing. And that also definitely impacts a player because 
I don't know. There's just not nearly as much importance on these games going forward. So your preparation, it doesn't change. But yeah, now that works. I was just yeah. gonna say, now that um, now that you know they have to, you know, there is true incentive. They have to, they have to, you know, win or go home. And I, and I think for a player's development, that is so so important. Yeah, it's a big difference uh, between trying to get in the playing game and signing Anderson Vergeau. Uh I gotta. <laughs> I gotta jump on that. It was it was nice to see nice to see Wild Thing back in a Cavs uniform. But uh, yeah, I I would love I would have loved to see uh, actual meaningful games played as well. But uh, I digress. Great job. I think uh, I, I think we had a really nice discussion there, uh, Colin. Uh, it, it's been it's been really nice to, to to talk sports with you and chop it up with uh, with you. You definitely know your balls, and you got you got to know your balls when, when you come on here. Um, Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you for coming. Um, Robbie, I'm afraid to throw it to you. I didn't think great. of one. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think of one. Oh, okay. Lost. Great. Okay. great discussion. All We're I doing great. Is, uh, LeBron James should quit whining and just play. Oh. That's, that's, that's my final thought. Okay. All right. LeBron James should... Uh... Shut up, and, oh shut up no! He got, oh. he got ahead of me. He got ahead oh, of me. Did he? Did he do that? Oh, I don't oh, know. No. Uh, gotta gotta pay respect to the goat. I don't know. Oh, Avi Avi Car Ingram. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I, I think I interpreted that, uh, Robbie. I read between <laughs> the lines there. Uh, again, thank you to TeleBQ. Make sure to check out TeleBQ and uh, download the TeleBQ app, and you can listen to this podcast under TeleABQ podcast uh this has been know your balls colin knows his robbie knows his <laughs> and lebron james got a rough and, idea. Uh, yeah rough idea of it uh i'm avi carl glockman we'll see you next time on know your balls see you guys